We have been studying a series called Beautiful Mess in the book of 1 Corinthians. Today we will conclude the theme on Christian freedom that the Apostle Paul developed in chapters 6, 7, 8, and now in chapter 10. Paul was responding to questions that the believers in the church of Corinth had asked about the right approach in matters related to sex and the eating of foods sacrificed to idols. The different speakers who came before me explained that the Greco-Roman world idealized, idolized individual freedom just as we see in, West, in the Western world today. Individual will, uh, freedom is idolized. That's why the biblical view of freedom usually collides with the way individual freedom is exercised in our society. I read a dozen quotes about freedom by different thinkers. By the way, from a worldly perspective, the beauty of freedom is that everyone is free to say what they want or think what they want, the way they want about freedom. Here are some quotes, some of the quotes. Freedom is the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Liberty means responsibility. That is why most people dread it. But what is liberty without wisdom and without virtue? It is the greatest of all possible evils, for it is folly, vice, and madness without tuition and restraint. There are two freedoms. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes, the true, where he is free to do what he ought. Some of these quotes remind me a story of, uh, that one of my friends told me. He was supervising a group of young people to do a certain task. So he started by laying out the rules to follow to make sure there was order. As he was explaining the rules, someone in the crowd shouted, I don't like anyone to tell me what to do. My friend could not believe his ears, but he kept his cool and said, thank you, my friend. It seems that your place is not here. One behavioral health therapist from the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio said, no one likes being told what to do. Resistance is ingrained into our culture and our brains from a young age. Everyone has some form of inner rebel that likes to question or do the opposite of what we are told. And I read that experts call this feeling or need to rebel psychological reactance which is a psychological defense mechanism that we use sometimes subconsciously to try to get back our freedom. 
It is not uncommon for Christians to use this kind of defense mechanism when it comes to some biblical truths that seem to restrict their freedom. It is like saying, I'm a follower of Christ, yes, and I'm happy to bear the name Christian, but I will not follow Christ in everything. So let us read today's passage in which Paul shows the difference, he shows us about freedom and responsibility. And that's the theme for today, freedom and responsibility. And the passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 to 33. It says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat everything, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. In the preceding chapters, Paul showed that when exercising freedom, the believer should ask a few questions. Is it beneficial not only for me, but also, not only to me, but also to other people? Does it enslave me? Does it hinder the spiritual growth of another person? And in today's passage, Paul adds other questions. Does it edify or build up? Does it bring glory to God? And does it help for the salvation of God? others. So, in this passage, Paul lays out three principles when it comes to exercising Christian freedom. We can call them even responsibilities, three responsibilities. The first one, we must pursue what is beneficial to others. In verse 23, he says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. 
I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Paul goes back to the argument that the Corinthians presented in chapter 6, verse 12. I have the right to do anything, you say. And Paul reacts, and I paraphrase, you, your right to do everything does not mean everything is beneficial or constructive or edifying. The Corinthians had adopted the wrong approach. They wanted to know how much they could get away with and still be Christians instead of continuing to grow in their relationship with Christ. So Paul had to emphasize two things they should consider in the exercise of their Christian freedom. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? If it is not, do not use your freedom. And he expands this idea in the following verse. Verse 24, he says, No one should seek the, their own good, but the good of others. Human beings, we are social beings. We exercise freedom within the framework of a group or a community. And wherever there is a community, there must be rules to regulate relationships. Otherwise, there will be total chaos. The proper use of our freedom helps us to live in harmony with other people. So Paul shows that Christians should restrain, restrict their freedom if it does not benefit others or build them up. To restrict means to put a limit on, to keep under control. We must learn to put limit to our freedom if it doesn't benefit others. The problem of humankind is that we are selfish and self-centered by nature. Each one would like to enjoy the maximum of their liberty without restriction. Even when we live with other people, we want total independence and autonomy. Even in marriage, in family, we would like to be totally independent. That may sound good, but... It is a wrong ideal. And for us Christians who are called to care for one another, it is counterproductive. Here is an illustration. Most of us know the busy intersection of State of Franklin Road with West Market Street, close to the Johnson City Medical Center. Suppose during rush hours, when people are hurrying from all directions, there is technical malfunction of all the traffic lights, and all of them are green. What would happen? Chaos and accidents. Traffic lights restrict our freedom for the good of us all. The difference with Christian freedom is that traffic lights restrictions come from laws enacted by the government for the safety of all citizens. That means 
People are compelled by the law to stop when the light is, is red. For Christians, the restriction comes from within our hearts, out of love for others and for their spiritual growth. We are compelled, we are, we are motivated by the love for others, not by laws. Our freedom is not intended for our own satisfaction, but for the good of others. And it should be an opportunity to live out our Christian faith. I know it is easy to please ourselves, but Paul calls us to abstain even from permitted things out of consideration for those who are not mature in their faith. We are part of one body, the body of Christ. Seeking the good of others requires that we know them well. It is about building relationship so that we can know what is beneficial to them and what is not. Now here is the question. How are you using your freedom in Christ daily? Paul goes on with verses 25 and 26 and says, he says, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord and everything in it. If you read a few verses before these ones, if you read in 20, verse 20, verses 20 and 21, Paul talked about food offered to idols in pagan temples. And he said believers, despite their freedom, they should not eat that meat since that would be participating with demons. When demons are being worshipped, Christians should not be part of that. But here in verses 25 and 26, he refers to the same meat, but when it is sold in the marketplace. He didn't see any problem for Christians to eat sacrificed meat when it is sold in the marketplace. And Paul, being a Jew, he took a position opposite to Jewish customs. Their custom, which is called kosher, it is their dietary uh, system that they follow according to their Jewish law. So Paul was acting against that custom of kosher when he was allowing people to eat everything sold in the market, even if it was sacrificed to idols. And he quotes Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So those who were sacrificing food to idols, they were misusing what belongs to God and diverting the purpose for which God created everything, his glory. God is the owner of everything in the world, but for us Christians, he is also our Lord and Master. So he has the right to regulate how we should live with other people. And in verse 27, Paul says, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. He refers to another practical aspect about meat sacrificed to idols. In this case, 
An unbeliever serves that meat to a believer at a private dinner. Paul says the believer should eat what the host presents without raising questions of conscience, which means without asking. Okay, before I eat, I want to know if this meat was offered to an idol, and then I will make my decision. Paul says, eat everything which is presented. However, verse 28, but if someone says to you, this has been offered to, uh, uh, in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. And this is a difficult situation strong believers can find themselves in. An unbeliever invites you and you, your conscience is free to eat everything. But if a weak Christian happens to be present and the weak, Christians tells, uh, the weak Christian tells you that the food has been sacrificed to idol, what should you do? Paul says, do not eat it for the sake of this weak Christian because he or she is a brother or a sister in Christ and their conscience may be offended. They may lack peace or even backslide in their faith. So love for that Christian should have precedence over the pleasing of the unbeliever who invited you. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Paul goes on in verse 29 and says, he says, I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? Paul is most concerned about the conscience of the weak believer, not the conscience of the strong believer who feels free to eat anything. Christian freedom is not limitless freedom. A strong believer should not use their freedom selfishly. Do not give the reason to an offended weak Christian to condemn believers. Freedom is a very good thing. But when we lack the willpower to say no, when it leads us in the wrong direction, it has become dangerous because it has enslaved us. A truly free person is someone who has the freedom to say no to their freedom when it misleads them. Our natural freedom tends to interfere with our Christian freedom. And that's where we have to make responsible choices. People, so when our natural freedom interferes with our Christian freedom, we have a lot to do and we must be careful. Paul says in verse 30, if I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Paul anticipated objections from the Corinthian believers who would ask, okay, why should I, 
why should I not enjoy the food for which I give thanks to God? Why should my freedom be restricted by, because, another person, because of another person's weak conscience? Paul is saying that offering thanks to God for food by which you cause another believer to stumble is not right. Oftentimes, strong believers tend to be careless when it comes to the well-being of weak believers, an attitude which always creates useless free, uh, friction among believers, and that doesn't honor God. That's why Paul introduces the second principle. Whenever we are exercising our freedom, Christian freedom, we must pursue the glory of God. He says in verse 31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. With our freedom comes great responsibility. And it is our responsibility to glorify God in all things. Restricting our freedom for the good of others does not imply that we are losing something valuable. On the contrary, we are honoring God, and God honors those who honor him. That's what the Lord himself says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Now, the question is to know what glorifies God. When a believer has consideration for the, for the consciences of other, believe, other people and the promotion of their well-being, God is glorified. What glorifies God is what put God's interest first, what put God's will first, what put God's purpose first. That's what glorifies God. And Paul had never denied the freedom of the mature Christians to enjoy their privileges in Christ. But prioritizing the satisfaction of our personal preferences or our, personal, our own rights does not honor God. And I like what Warren Worsby says. It is a mark of maturity when we balance our freedom with responsibility. Otherwise, it ceases to be freedom and becomes anarchy and lawlessness. And that introduces the third responsibility, the third principle. When we are exercising our Christian freedom, we should pursue the salvation of others. Paul says in verse uh, 32, do not cause anyone to stumble whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. As the ultimate goal of Christian freedom is to glorify God, Paul urges believers to do nothing that would offend Jews or Gentiles. These two groups needed the good news. And misusing Christians' freedom could create an obstacle, a hindrance to their salvation. Furthermore, the way Christians used their freedom should not treat people differently according to their origin or race, whether uh, they were Jews or Gentiles. And regarding the church of God that Paul refers to in this verse, 
the wrong use of Christian liberty would impede the spiritual growth of weak believers and prevent harmony in the body of Christ. Remember, the weaker believer is in the process of spiritual growth. So the way we use our freedom and relate to others indicates whether we are mature in Christ or not. Strong and weak Christians should work together in love to edify one another and bring glory to God. Verse uh, 33, Paul says, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Is Paul implying that he has become a people pleaser? Someone who is ready to compromise biblical principles to appeal to many? No. That would contradict what he says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Here is what he says. Am I now trying to win the, uh, the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul focused on his goal of saving many without compromising the gospel message. And he did it even at the expense of his own freedom. That's why he can rightly make a bold statement in the first verse of chapter 11, which in fact is the conclusion of chapter 10. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Christ is the ultimate model to follow as believers exercise their freedom. And Paul was following Christ's example. Paul makes a strong point here. He's telling the Corinthians, do not only follow what I say. Imitate the way I live because I'm imitating the way Christ lived. And this is very, very important. People want to see if the way we live aligns with what we tell them so that they can believe what we are saying. And people are looking at us Christians. They would like to see if we are living according to what we always tell them about God, about Jesus Christ. And this is very, very important. And to conclude, Christian freedom comes with responsibility. The way we use our freedom can either be a stumbling block that turns others away from Christ, or it can draw them to Christ. In our case as modern believers, we may have fewer challenges when it comes to eating or not eating food sacrificed to idols. However, we have our own subtle idols, preferences, opinions, ideas that we worship and which can interfere with the way we use our freedom daily. So the principles remain the same. We must pursue 
effort builds others up. We must bring, we must pursue what brings glory to God. We must pursue what brings others into a saving relationship with Christ. Now, my question for us all during this Thanksgiving season is the way you have been using your freedom consistent with your Christian responsibility? Let us pray.